Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Today I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to lead us into a, a place that is challenging for most of us when it comes to this reality of prayer in our lives. And so we're going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, but I just, I feel like we need to lighten it in here this morning. Everybody seems either really tired or really warm or just bored. And I don't know which one it is, but we're, we're going to fix all three of those right now. I got a couple fun facts for you as we get into this morning's message. Um, the kids actually really enjoyed this probably way more than all of you adults, but I'm still going to keep doing it because it's kind of fun. So I want to give you a couple facts about the state of Idaho. How many of you love being here in Idaho? Come on. I, I just tell this to people. There is no other place that I would rather be on the planet. And I've got to travel the world. And I'm just telling you, we live in an amazing place. Both geographically, with everything that we get to see around us that God's created, the beauty and the wonder of it. Um, I would say politically, uh, in the environment that we get to raise our families in, from a community standpoint, we live in an amazing place. And it's, it's one of those things that I, as a teenager, took for granted. I actually was, couldn't count, couldn't be, be fast enough to get to graduation and to figure out where I was going to go next. And now that I'm a little bit older, um, I am very, very thankful for God establishing me and my family here in Idaho. And I'm just, I don't know about you, but every day that I get up and I get to see the beauty of the mountains when there's not smoke covering them, um, and just the wonder of where we live, I'm just, I'm in awe of that. I was on a walk the other morning with Scott, and uh, we were just walking and just so reminded, looking around as the sun's coming up, just the beauty of what we get to live in. And all of that points to the incredible love of God to you because you get to live here and enjoy that. So as you get up tomorrow morning, whatever you're doing, kids going to school, parents sending them to school, uh, whatever you're doing, would you just take a moment tomorrow and be really grateful for all that God's given us and where we live? Uh, some fun things about it. Uh, the state of Idaho, the name of it came from a, na- a Native American word. Does anybody know what it, what it means? I didn't know this either. It was actually really cool. The land of many waters. Everybody's like, wait a minute, this is Idaho. It's the desert. I don't know. They just said it. I, I, I'm, I'm just conveying it to you. Here's another fun thing about it. The state is known for having a canyon with an interesting name. The canyon's name is Hell's Canyon. I mean, if you know that you live in hell, I'm just kidding. You don't. Feels like it sometimes. Uh, here, here's an inter- interesting fact for you. It's 7,900 feet deep. Did you know that that is deeper than the Grand Canyon? Right here in the state of Idaho. And there's this amazing lookout called Heaven's Gate. Does anybody see the irony in that? Is it just me this morning? Okay, Heaven's Gate. And it actually gives you the ability to view the entire state of Idaho and to the Bitterroot Range up in Montana. I want to go visit that. I didn't even know that was a real thing, but I'm, I'm going to go try that out sometime. Last thing for you here, this is probably the best one in the morning. It is illegal for a person to fish while they are riding a camel in the state of Idaho. <laughs> It's true. I know. That is totally unreasonable. Totally unreasonable. I'd like to know who the person was who presented that law and where they saw a person riding a camel fishing in the state of Idaho. 
I mean, I, I don't know how that works, but that's a new one for me. So anyways, we live in an amazing place. Um, to, this morning, we're going to jump into answering this question. When it comes to this reality of prayer, how many of you have ever had a prayer that was not answered in your life or not answered in the way that you thought it should be? Raise your hand. Yes, you, you were. Okay, good. So that's pretty much everybody in the world. So today I want to I wanna give you this title for uh, the message, and I want to lead us into what Scripture teaches us about this. Today's title for the message is Not What I Expected. Everybody say, Not, not. What I Expected. The Bible teaches us this, this place of prayer, and Jason did a good job of kind of setting the stage for us, but I want to just remind you that as a follower of Christ, Prayer is a natural part of walking with Him. I want to give you some scriptures to just, and there are literally hundreds of them, but I want to set a foundation here, and then we're going to very quickly move on from that this morning into to kind of processing this space of what happens when God doesn't answer prayer the way that we think He should, right? So let's turn to, if you got your Bibles, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And this is actually a passage that Ellie read this morning. I just want to read it to us again to be reminded what the Bible actually teaches us about this place of prayer. And here's, here's what it says. Always be joyful or always rejoice. And then it says, verse 17, never stop praying. I want to remind you that this is instruction to the church just like us sitting here today, this was instruction given by a leader on how to walk as a child of God, how to walk in relationship in the kingdom of God, how to experience the things that God has for you. But then it goes on to say, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I hear people asking me all the time or telling me all the time, they just want to know the will of God. There it is. Be joyful, pray always, and be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. He wants you to learn how to live in your life with joy, through prayer, and thanksgiving. Because here's the key. If you can learn how to live in joy, and if you learn how to be a person that is constantly in communication with God through prayer, and thanksgiving is what pours out of your life, I promise you, you can face any circumstance in life. Period. Any circumstance in life. And that's why this is the will of God for you. Well, doesn't he want me to go out and win the loss? Yeah, you'll win the loss if you'll do these things right here. Well, doesn't God want me to like, be successful in my job? Yes, he, he wants you to be successful in your job, and you'll do that if you'll take on this perspective. And notice that it hinges not on joy or thankfulness. It hinges on prayer prayer. Pray always. It's this invitation and instruction to us that if you want to really navigate this journey of life well, pray. Be thankful. Learn how to live in joy in your life. This is instruction to us. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says it like this, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Simple instruction from Scripture when it talks to us about this place of prayer and its impact on our life. Ephesians 6.18, we're going to close with this one from these spaces of Scripture. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
So I want to pose this thought to you this morning that prayer is not just a part of your Christian walk. It's not just something that we do to check the boxes of our religious experience. That prayer is actually the foundation of how you walk in relationship with God. That prayer is the the place that that Scripture teaches us. Church, this is three verses out of hundreds that I could have brought to you about conversation and communication with God. It's built, and Jason did a beautiful job last week of saying, hey, listen, God set this whole thing up around relationship with Him and with one another. Prayer is the platform by which we get to communicate and hang out with God, where we get to grow in our relationship and understand with Him, and where He gets to communicate back to you. I don't know what your theological beliefs is, but I can tell you if you open up your Bible and read it, God wants to talk to you, and He loves when you talk to Him. It's just the reality of this journey of faith that we're in. So so when you think about your life and when you think about being a follower of Jesus and when you think about what that produces in your life, here's what I want you to know. Followers of Jesus know how to pray. And followers of Jesus, listen to this, learn how to pray. It's not something that comes innate to us. It's something that we have to grow in. That's why we see so so much instruction in Scripture on Pray for this. Pray all kinds of prayers. What is all kinds of prayers? When you walk out the door today and you're stressed about your finances or you're stressed about work this week or you're stressed about something that's... You're, you're, you're anxious about this, that, or the other thing or you're just joyful, stop for a moment and pray. Let that be the natural response. The funny part for most of us is prayer is not our first response. It's our last resort. We'll text somebody. We'll call this. We'll put it on Facebook for the love of peace. Like... We'll put all of our concerns out in these environments and yet we very rarely go to the one first off who can actually do anything about the things that are going on in our lives. So that's my sermon on prayer. (laughs) Now we're going to get into the space of what happens when we pray and we don't get the answer that we were expecting. What happens in our lives when we go before God, we take some of these things to him, and things turn out completely different than what you had expected. For many of us, we, we can relate this to other spaces of life. How many of you ever have gone out to a restaurant, ordered something, and it came, and you're like, that is not what I ordered? And that's, that's one of those surprises in life that you're like, mm, I don't know if I like this surprise, right? I, I expected one thing, and I got something completely different. Right? Or, or here's, here's another one that probably most of us have experienced. You go to a Starbucks or you go, you go someplace, you get your favorite drink, they call your name, you go up to the counter, you grab it, you take a drink, and your taste buds tell you, this is not what I ordered. Right? There's this thing that happens like your brain's like, wait, no, I, I ordered coffee, not tea. Or I, there's this thing that happens inside of us, and, and we experience this moment right here of going, wait a minute, that is not what I expected. And all too many of us have experienced that in our relationship with God when it comes to the space of prayer. Same experience. We've gone before God with our Starbucks order and we come out of that moment and God actually answers in a way that we weren't expecting. Or He doesn't answer in the way that we wanted to if we're being probably more honest this morning. And it's a really interesting space in this journey of relationship with God because what's remarkable is that we actually think that we know better than God. 
And we get offended in the mind. Everybody's like really serious this morning. <laughs> Relax. Like, I do it too. Like, there's this reality that we go before God with our prayers and requests, and, and we pray, and then he answers in a different way, and we're like, wait a minute. And, and, and really what begins to happen in our hearts is if our hearts aren't in the right space, we begin to get offended with God. Well, how dare you, God, not answer my prayer in the way that I thought you should answer? Like, were you not listening to my prayer, God? Do you not understand what's going on in my life? Do you not, do you not know that I need it? And, and we get into these places and these struggles with God, and what it does is it begins to wear on our, our, our relationship with him. It begins to either do one of two things. It's either going to build your faith or it's going to begin to erode away your faith depending on your heart posture towards God. And so a lot of times we get into these places and God answers us with the unexpected. And and here's what I want to let you know of. That is not unique to us. It's not unique to the modern day church. It's not unique to Americans. In fact, it wasn't even unique to Jesus, the Son of God. Because Jesus went before the Father, and he had a request. He had a prayer to the Father. He said, Father, if you could remove this cup from me, in other words, I really don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the agony of that. And Jesus is having a conversation. He's in prayer with the Father, and he said, Father, listen, if you can remove this cup from me, that would be great. And yet, even in his prayer, his heart was postured in such a way that he said, but God, not my will, your will be done. And here's the deal. God did not answer his prayer to remove the cup from him. Did you ever think about that? That Jesus, the Son of God, went to prayer with the Father and asked him to remove the cup from him, but God did not honor his prayer. Think about that. Think about Paul in Scripture. Now, the reason I'm sharing it is because you're in good company if you're wrestling or struggling in these places of God not answering prayer the way you expect. How many of you think, so let me recap this for a second. Paul was a guy who had some pretty messed up things happen in his journey. He was put in prison. He was beaten and flogged more times than you even want to count. And, and that's not like, oh, Paul, bad boy, don't go out. No, no, this was like tearing the flesh off of his back kind of stuff. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He experienced all kinds of brutal things throughout his journey of following Jesus. How many of you honestly believe that Paul never prayed the prayer, God, would you protect me when I go to wherever? Of course he did. Of course, Paul in his devotion and relationship with God, before he got on those ships, I guarantee you, Paul was like, God, hold this thing together and get me there safe, right? And yet, Paul experienced a shipwreck. Paul experienced a car wreck. Paul experienced persecution around him in life. Paul experienced people not liking him. Even when he prayed, God, give me favor as I go into this city. Did you know that God didn't answer his prayer? And I'm messing with some of your guys' theology this morning. I can see it. God never answered some of the prayers that Paul prayed in the way that Paul wanted God to answer their prayer, his prayers. And yet we see a steadfastness in both Paul and Jesus and others that we see throughout Scripture that gives us an opportunity to stop for a moment 
and remind ourselves that God will not always answer your prayers the way that you want Him to. And what this boils down to, and this is going to be kind of the the crux of our message today, with Jesus, with Paul, with Peter, with whoever you can even think of in your life that's surrounded your life and been an incredible model to you of faithfulness, someone who followed Jesus in difficult seasons. I think of Trey and Marcy and the things that they've walked through. I look at my family and just the things that we... Like there's just this reality in life that God has not always answered prayers the way I wanted Him to. But there's, there's something that God is forming in us in this space of prayer. And it's not just to answer your prayer the way that you want it to. Because prayer is based and built on faith and trust in God and who He is and His wisdom and His authority. See, the disciples wrestled with this same thing as they were following Jesus. They wrestled with this reality of how to How do we do what you're doing? And how do we process through this with the Father? And how do we do this well? And as they watched Jesus, here's what they picked up from Jesus' life. Jesus would go away, spend time with the Father, come back and do exactly what he told them to do. And then Jesus would go away and spend time with the Father and he would come back and he would do exactly what the Father told him to do. The disciples started to figure this thing out like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. There might be something to this like, prayer thing that Jesus has got rolling. And something began to shift inside of them, and one day they got smart. They got really smart. And they asked Jesus this very simple question, and Jason led us there last week. In Matthew chapter 6, they went up to Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I can only imagine what Jesus was feeling and thinking in that moment. It had to have been one of those proud dad moments, right? Of, oh, they're figuring this thing out. Because notice that they didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, teach us how to do miracles. Jesus, we want to go lay our hands on the sick and we want to raise the dead and we want to prophesy and we want to do it. That's not what they asked Jesus. They looked at Jesus and they said, will you teach us how to pray? And from that platform, Jesus' heart began to pour out to them, and he gave them, listen to me, the keys of the kingdom of God in that moment. He poured out into their life the thing that he had experienced in relationship with the Father, and he taught them from this place of prayer. And we all know this prayer really, really well because we were taught it either when we were young or we've heard people say it over and over and over again. But I think what we need to to be reminded in this moment is that it's not just a, a rudimentary thing that is a part of Scripture that we've read, but it's actually a life giving gift to you and I on how to follow Jesus successfully when our prayers aren't answered the way that we think that they should when we don't get what we expect out of them. And it has to be rooted in what Jesus taught them in this verse. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And this is where Jesus teaches them how to sustain their relationship with the Father and how to be effective in what he's called them to do. And we're just going to read the first couple verses because it's going to set the foundation for where we're going. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 7. And notice what Jesus says here. And when you pray. 
Notice that that is not, and if you pray, or when you get around to pray, Jesus made what, and this is again English here, Jesus made a very declarative and emphatic statement right here in this moment, and when you pray. So he's speaking to disciples. So I want to look at all of you in the face this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Christ. And this is what Jesus taught his disciples, which you are, and he said it in this very simple, when you pray. When you pray. In other words, it's a given that in your life as a follower of Christ, prayer is going to be a part of that. Well, Tim, I don't really like prayer. It's kind of hard and it's boring at times and it's challenging. And I'm just not sure if God's even listening to me. And I can slow down. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray as a follower of Christ, Here's the things that are going to transpire in those moments, right? It goes back to this place of, as a follower of Jesus, we not only know how to pray, but we learn how to pray continually. Just like the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we're following you right now, but we need you to teach us how to do this prayer thing. Like, we've, we've been around you in a little... Do you, do you think Jesus never prayed with the disciples? This was about two and a half years into his experience with them. Do you think he'd never prayed with them once? No, I think they probably prayed quite a few times. But I think they were learning about the power and effectiveness of prayer in their life. How many of you know that each one of us are learning day in and day out about prayer in our lives and its, its effectiveness and how to walk in it, right? And so Jesus, when he opened up this conversation with him, he said, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. In other words, Get over praying elaborate prayers. Don't try and be cool for the people that are around you. We were back in prayer this morning and Doug was like, you know one thing that I've learned this past week is that God's not really into all my big words. God is not impressed by your vocabulary in prayer. Here's what God's impressed by your heart. Your approach how you come to him. And so this is what Jesus was teaching. Hey, hey, don't, you don't have to be elaborate in the way that you pray. It doesn't have to be like cool sounding and all of that. No, no. Don't pray in King James like the, the, thou hast Lord, hearest my prayer. Like God, I don't even know if he even understands that. Come on, we don't. I mean, the reality of the heart posture of prayer is coming before God in this place of humility. And he's trying to teach that to the disciples. Hey, when you set the stage for your prayer life, when you think about what it's going to be like to interact with Jesus in prayer, let it come from this place that is not full of pretense, full of you, full of cool words. Slow down for a second and just let it be genuine from your heart. He says, do not be like them. For your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. Well, then why do I even pray? Because God wants to have a conversation with you about the things of your life. This is not a one-way street. And then He goes into and He unpacks what it looks like to have a conversation with God about the things that are going on in our lives. And He doesn't begin it with, God, would you fix? He starts it this way. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. What is that? It's worship. It's praise. It's getting your thoughts off of you and your problems and then putting them on the greatness of your God. Why? 
Because most of the time when we go to God in prayer, it's because the things that are out in front of us seem really big. And we recognize clearly that we need some help. And we tried to fix it on our own and just made it worse. So now we're going to go and talk to God about it. Anybody been there? <laughs> just me. Got it. All right. Uh, there's this reality that when we, when we come to God in prayer, very rarely do we come to God with a mindset of his greatness and his awesomeness. Most of the time we're coming to God because we're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling pressed in on every side. And so Jesus said, hey, when you come to God in these moments of prayer, which as a follower of Jesus you're going to do, come to him and, and, and get outside of your circumstance for a moment and just bring him praise. Just say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be, holy is your name. God, God, you are way bigger than anything that I'm facing right now in my life. And I love what Jason brought up last week where he said, it, it begins with our Father, not my Father. Yes, he is my Father. But what he wants us to be reminded of is that we are a part of his family. We're not alone in this he wants you to be reminded that from the beginning of your prayer, you're not alone. While I'm sitting at home alone in my prayer closet, yes, you are, but you're not alone. There's people around you who love you and who are praying for you and who are part of your family. They're with you in this thing. Do you, do you see what Jesus is doing? He's giving them some strategy here in prayer that gets them beyond their selfish motivations and into the kingdom. Gets them into a place where their hearts can actually experience and express and feel and process all the things that God wants to do in them. And then he follows it up with this. And this is where most of us crash and burn when it comes to prayer. I can just tell you I am the king of this, right? He says, and your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me put this in simple terminology for you. What Jesus said right here is he said, don't ask God to do things your way. You come into alignment with the way that God wants things done. And you'll see prayers answered in your life. That's a hard one for us. I don't know about you, that's a hard one for me. Because for some reason, I think that I'm smarter than God. I think many times in my life that I've already got the solution figured out if God would just make it happen. But the reality of prayer is, is prayer has nothing to do, and I want you to hear this very clear with me, prayer has nothing to do with convincing God to see things your way. He never will. He's God. What prayer does is brings us into alignment with how heaven wants things done. With how, how God sees things transpiring in your life. And guess what? Sometimes that means that you're going to go through the very thing that you are praying to not go through. Sometimes God's going to allow you to be in those circumstances because it's what's going to bring Him and His kingdom the most glory and honor. And that's what we sign up for when we say, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to be your follower. That's why Jesus turned around to his disciples and said, hey, you want to follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and come on. Let's do this thing. I know this is not like the American gospel. And I would apologize, but I can't because this is what Scripture teaches us. The kingdom gospel tells us that we lose ourselves in order to gain him. And that's what Jesus was saying in this moment right here in prayer. He began prayer with this understanding, God, you are awesome. And Lord, whatever you want done, God, let that be in and through my life. 
It's not me trying to convince God to do things my way. But yet all too often our prayer life is completely consumed with God. Do it like this. And then when he doesn't do it like that, we get offended at him. And it rocks our faith. And that's why this is so important to us today. Is because as we move forward in our prayer lives, what it's going to build in you is faith and confidence in who God is and what he wants to do. And I'm going to close out with this this morning. There's a big difference between faith and trust. And I want to help you with that this morning. As you think about your prayer life, and as we think about putting our trust in God, because he knows what he's doing with our life, and we think about aligning ourselves in prayer with the way that Jesus instructed us to pray, in order to say, your kingdom come, your will be done, that means we have to put our faith in him. That he knows what he's doing with our lives, our families, our finances, all of those things. And it breaks us into this place of faith and trust in God. And here's here's something for you that I think might help you this morning. Faith is what we need in the unknown times of life. Faith is what you need when you're facing the unknown circumstances of your life. Let me give you an example. Trey and Marcy Jones. We're expecting to have a baby boy at term, and that did not happen. Instead, at 27 weeks, Marcy had a C-section, and little Lewis came into this world, and that is not what they were praying for. It was not what they expected. They needed faith in that moment to say, God, we have no idea what's going on here, Lord. This is not at all what we had planned for, but God, we're going to put our faith and our trust in you, right? Here's some examples of it in Scripture. Crossing the Red Sea for the children of Israel. They had not been into the promised land. They had no idea what, the, what was after the Jordan for them. They didn't, they didn't know that in their life. They were experiencing some things that were a little bit crazy town for them. When Moses stood on the rock and he looked across, he had never parted a sea before in his life. It took faith for him to go, okay, God, you're going to have to show up in this moment because I personally have no way of making this circumstance get better. That's where faith is needed. Faith is needed in the spaces of our life when we, when we look at um, the, the woman with the issue of blood. She had tried everything that she could to, to be healthy and whole inside of her. So all she knew was that if she could touch the hem of Jesus' garment, something was going to change. She didn't know what, she didn't know how, but that, that's where her faith was. Her faith was in the person of Jesus Christ. Had she ever been healed before? Had she ever, no, she hadn't. She was wrestling with something that nobody had an answer for. That's where faith comes into your life and in my life. And I don't know what it is for you, but I guarantee you there will be seasons where your faith will be tested. There will be seasons where your faith must grow because you're going to face things in your life that are unknown to you. And here's the difference between faith and trust. Faith is this place that we need in the unknown spaces of life. Trust is what we need in the known. Trust is what we need in the known. Trust is what we we do when we come before God and we say, okay, God, I know your word teaches me about this tithe and offering thing. And and I know that you've been faithful to take care of me and my family in the past. And God, I'm going to trust you in this check this month, God, because there's just not enough to make everything me. God, I'm going to trust you this month that your way is better than my way. I'm going to trust you. And God, I know, I know you've been faithful in the past. And so I know you're going to be faithful in this moment. That's trust, right? 
That's not faith. That's trust in that moment. God, I'm going to trust you in this. Uh, it's, it's trusting your kids, parents, that when you send them off to school this year, that God's going to be with them in those moments there. Why? Because I know that God was with them last year and the year before and the year before that. And God did extraordinary things through his life. And so I can trust God in this moment. You follow me this morning? And what God is building in our life in the place of prayer is faith and trust in him. Knowing that in some seasons, he's going to lead you into the faith building moments of your life, right? Where it's going to be things that you're going to face that you have no answer for. Nobody around you has an answer for. It is just simply saying, God, you are God. I'm putting my faith in you in this moment. And then there's other moments that you're going to be praying into that are going to require you to trust God. God, you have done this in the past. I know that you can do it here in this moment. Do you see the difference? And that's what prayer is cultivating in our lives, is this faith and trust in God. That in the things that maybe you don't have tangibly in your hand right now, that God's going to come through because he's just always been faithful. That's who he is. So really, let me backtrack here for a second on what Jason taught us last week. Prayer is all about trusting and putting your faith in the character of God. That he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he'll do. Now, he may not do it the way that you want to. I, I want to remind you of that because sometimes he's not going to answer prayers the way that we expect it. But here's, here's what we do when we approach God with the right heart. We say, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. So what we're saying is, God, not my kingdom and not my will, but yours. We're, we're making an acknowledgement with our mouth that, God, you know better than I do. And so if you answer my prayers differently than what I'm praying, God, I'm going to trust you that you know what you're doing in that, and I'm not going to get offended at you. I'm going to be like Paul that said, I, 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 listen, I, I want to go to Rome. And everybody around him is saying, Paul, don't go to Rome. This is going to be a bad deal for you. They're going to kill you there. And Paul's like, I know, but I just feel like I need to go to Rome. And, and, and I just know that God will protect me. And if he doesn't, he has something in that moment, no matter what, to bring him glory and honor, right? It's this place and this posture of Paul's heart in faith and trust in God. And can I promise you, in your life, in your prayer life, God is going to call you to the places of faith and trust in him. And this is why most of us get frustrated in our prayers. Honestly, this is why many Christians stop praying. Because God doesn't answer their prayers the way that they expect. Can I tell you, he has no obligation to answer your prayers the way that you want. Here's the reason why. Because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And he knows exactly the steps that need to be taken in your journey to build your faith to prepare you for the things that he's called you to. And some of those might be difficult. Some of those might not be what you expected. But if we'll put our faith and our trust in him and his character, then it will see you through those moments and it will give you the ability to grow no matter what the circumstances of life. So we go back to 1 Thessalonians. It tells us, hey, rejoice always. Pray continually. Be thankful in all circumstances. How do you do that? We do that because we put our faith and our trust in God through prayer of saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And then all these questions of people, well, how come God didn't answer, answer the prayer in that way? And how come he, because he's God? I'm not trying to be simplistic about it, but 
But God has his own agenda. He has his own plans, and he's invited us to be a part of that with him. We don't get to dictate to him what his plans for his kingdom are. And so as, as followers of Christ, we need to align ourselves, adjust ourselves in our prayer life to say, God, not, not my will be done, but your will be done. And God, when, when my will and your will are in conflict with each other, because it's going to happen probably daily, when my will and your will are in conflict, God, I, I want your will to win out because I know that your way is better. It's faith. It's trusting that he knows what he's doing with our lives. And I want to close with this today. And, and this might be the takeaway for many of you this morning. How many of you have ever thought about the blessing of unanswered prayer in your life? How many of you ever just stopped to think about and thank God for the prayers that he didn't answer for you? Think about this. Think about your life. Here's, here's one from my life. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And so I worked very hard to do that. Prayed a lot about it. Prayed that God would open up doors, give me opportunity, all of these things. And guess what? God answered my prayer and said no. If God would have answered that prayer the way that I wanted him to answer that prayer, I wouldn't be standing here today. Some of you are like, God missed it on that one. <laughs> I wouldn't have the family that I have today. I guarantee you I would not be in Boise, Idaho. No way. Wouldn't have the amazing wife that God's given me. Wouldn't have the six kids that we have. Guaranteed you that we would have probably never entered into the adoption space of life. I never would have experienced any of those things if God would have answered my prayer. And yet oftentimes we get offended at God because he doesn't answer our prayer. There's prayers that we're going to pray to God and he's not going to answer. And we know that God wants people to be healed. We know that God wants to, we know that he has good for our lives, but sometimes he answers differently than what we expect. And we have a choice in that moment. And, and have we ever paused to just say, thank you, God, for not answering some of those prayers in my life? Young men, young ladies in the room, how many of you have prayed, God, let me marry so-and-so? And God says, no. You get down the road of your life where I'm at and you look back and you say, thank you God for not answering that prayer, right? Come on, we do this all the time. We take prayers before God and we have expectation of how he should answer that. But the reality of it is he sees a lot further than you or I. And when he doesn't answer the prayers the way that we want to, what is the posture of our heart? Are we thankful and do we trust out of faith? Or do we get offended at him because he's not doing what we asked him to do? I don't know about you. There's some of you that are sitting in this room this morning and by the grace of God, he didn't answer some of the prayers of your life. By the grace of God, he didn't remove you from, from some of the circumstances that you thought he needed to get you out of. There's some of you that are hearing this morning, you're wrestling through some stuff at this moment in your life and your prayer is, God, get me out of this. And God says, nope, I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to get you through it. Why? Because he needs to build character inside of you so that you can represent him well to your family and to the people. But listen, he, he is oftentimes not going to answer your prayers the way that you want. 
And so how as a person, and then I would say how as a church family, are we going to respond to those moments when he doesn't do what we expect him to do when it comes to the space of prayer? One of the exercises I want to give you this week, and then we're going to just go into our group times here this morning. I want you to think about this week, and I'm going to challenge you to do this every day, to go before God and to thank Him for some of the prayers that He didn't answer in your life. And I don't know what that is for you. I've got a list of them. I I mean that. I've got a, a list of prayers that Jesus talked about the beginning part of Matthew chapter 6, just me babbling, talking, thinking that I know more than God, just me putting it out there, right? And it's not that God has a problem with us. He, he knows the struggles of our heart, but here, here's the reality of it. I am I'm becoming more and more and more aware of how thankful I am that he didn't answer some of those prayers in my life. And the funny part is, is I can remember even the emotions of the moments when he didn't answer and I got mad at him about it. And yet in his grace, And in his love and in his mercy, he's just walked with me faithfully through that process. And here's what I can tell you. For each of you that are a follower of Christ, he's done the same thing for you. So this week, I want you to put a challenge to you. I want you to think about some of the spaces that you can say thank you to God for not answering the prayers that you prayed. And for moving or shifting those moments into something that actually gave him opportunity to show you his faithfulness in your life. Because that's the kind of God He is. Amen? So as we close our time today, I just want to remind you that sometimes God will answer your prayers in unexpected ways. And sometimes they're wonderful surprises, and sometimes they're surprises that take us back a little bit. And how we handle those moments will tell you exactly what Jason was talking about last week. It will tell you what your theology is, what you believe about God. And in those moments, we either have an opportunity for our theology to be adjusted into more Christ-likeness, or it's going to put us into a place where where God's going to have to take us into a deeper season of refining in our lives. Why? Because He's faithful. He loves you. He's going to be with you in there. So as you think about your prayer life, and as you think about what that looks like for you, here's what I want to assure you of as you continue to follow Christ there will be many prayers that God does not answer the way that you expect. How will you respond to him in those moments? Because that will tell you where you're really at in your relationship with him, which is a wonderful measuring stick for us. Some of us are feeling a little weighty or guilty. No, 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 no. This is an invitation from God to say, hey, come and, come and experience more of who I am. Jason prayed this over us last week, that God, that you would teach us how to see you differently in these 21 days. Show us more about who you are and your character. For those of you that are wrestling with unanswered prayers or prayers that were answered in ways that were different than what you expected in your life, I want to just remind you to go back to that place of the Lord's Prayer. God, not my will, but your will be done. And here's what it'll do. It'll align your heart into a place where you can walk in peace with God, trusting that He knows what He's doing with your life and with your family, with the difficult circumstances you face. Because here's the reality. They're not going to stop coming. The difficulty around us is not going to decrease. But here's the beauty of it. We get to live in peace, not because we're ignoring what's happening around us, but because the Prince of Peace dwells in us. And we learn how to walk in accordance with His will. Amen? You guys with me this morning? 
Here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment. I want to pray over us, and then we're going to send us into some conversation here together. But I just feel like there's something deep that God wants to do because there's some wrestling inside of each one of us. There's not a person that follows Christ that doesn't have some tension in this space. And so I just want to pray over us this morning. I'm going to send us into our groups. We're going to spend a little time. So, Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you so much for your patience with us, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for teaching us how to walk in communication and relationship with the Father. Lord, that you taught us that it is really more a posture of our heart and trusting you, putting our faith in you, than it is about the words that we say or the eloquence of them, God. So Lord, I'm asking today, God, that you would do a deep work in me and God, in this church body, this family here, Lord, as we continue to dig deep into these 21 days of prayer, God, that you would shift our perspective, God, into a kingdom-minded perspective. Lord, that as we pray and as we seek your face, God, for the things of our life, God, that we would be just constantly praying, God, your, not my will, but your will be done, God. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done right here in my life and my family my city, my finances, God, my emotions, every part of me, God, that it would align with your will and your kingdom. And Lord, that from that place, Lord, you would catapult us forward and out into a world that desperately needs to know how good you are, God. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it teaches and instructs us, God. And Lord, today we just thank you for the gift of it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.